Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of getting to the end of a great long journey and finding out that it was all magical. Bippity-boppity-boo. As opposed to waking up and finding out that someone was taking a shower. Or, or As you, opposed to waking up and finding out your entire adventure was a really twisted dream and walking out and finding out you're actually there. Yes. <laughs> well, it would be great if that was true. Uh, because there's an awful lot of us who wish we could live in a magical world. Uh, that is, But we do in the sense that the world we live in is a product of our imagination. And if you work hard enough and if you're lucky enough, you might see some of your imagination become real. So, welcome everybody to the TriTech Games Podcast, and we are finishing up our adventures in the magical, creating the perfect magic system. This has been going on actually since we started recording last February, and we are now, I believe, on our last session of it. And we, we're, we're going to be basically picking up some of the things. So if you've been listening the whole way, then you should be able to understand what are the things we're talking about that we somehow managed to skip on the way along. And if you aren't, then you may have a little trouble keeping up. But we're going to try our best to make sure you can understand. But uh, John Ryer has a, uh, a thing he wants to mention about the, uh, the way uh, some of the new things are available through TriTech Games. Yes, one thing we have now available is that we have a Discourse server. Uh, I'll be posting the invite in the show notes, and the invite is also up on our uh, up on the forums. Well, yeah, I think it's up in the forums. If it's not, it will be. Uh, it's also in the various Facebook groups. It's also on the Google Plus group. And I'll probably sing it through our uh, Yahoo forums as well. So everyone, you know, it's a, it's basically it's where you can have ch- you can chat about the different games. It's also uh, three game rooms, so you can do online games if you want to, and you know, and run them and record them if you want. But yeah, we have a place now for you folks to uh, do more TriTech stuff and and uh, and actually play games with each other. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, John. Okay, also, um, we have a guest here. Now, she is in my Friday game. Bruce mm-hmm. met her at Continuum. This is my dear friend, Ashley. She's sitting in on the podcast tonight. She, as I said, she's in the Friday game, my Bureau 13 Brass and Scene game. So, things that we've done on the podcast, she has already been exposed to. <laughs> We're sorry. Yes. 
<laughs> I'm not sorry at all. As Bruce is there rubbing his hands evilly. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yes, a new a new generation that have been twisted to my purposes. <laughs> Do you have your evil laugh handy? <laughs> That's not much of an evil laugh. You to do a proper evil laugh, it's gotta be. <laughs> you know, John, th- there's nothing worse than evil laugh shaming. <laughs> yeah. That's why we do it. <laughs> Welcome, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> we got that out of our system. Do you do you want to tell us a little something about uh, your experience with gaming? Well, she joined the group, the Friday group, recently. She took over uh, my friend Perky God's character. She hadn't been gaming in a long time, so I said, "Well, I have this character here, and we reworked it a little, and it fits more her style of playing." And yeah, she's been doing pretty good. I hadn't gamed in like ten years. Poor thing. Yeah. Well. That's a heck of a dry spell. Yeah, attacks of life and whatnot. Yeah. She she does pretty good. She's you know it, it, regaining the sea leg, so to speak. You know, use nautical term. <laughs> well, we'll find out how good the sea legs are because we have a game in another two days. So just let you know. So have you taken advantage of the GM uh, lately? <laughs> Excuse me. What? <laughs> That's a standard trope, you know. You, you, you. Oh, you don't take advantage of him. You bribe him with food. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh no, 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 no. I got four words for that: bacon, chicken, fettuccine Alfredo. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so good. I was eating that for three days straight. Anyways, magic system. Yes, the way to the GM's heart is above the waist. Dude. <laughs> All right. Yes. Magic system. Anyways, hey, look, we have a list here on Facebook. Yeah. Super. Okay. So moving forward, I can tell this is going to be a silly episode. Uh, all right. So uh, I, I did actually go through and listen to all of the previous episodes. Uh, and uh, it was quite a bit to go through all of this. So this is what uh, we're. So we're going to first drop back and talk about how we first talked about how spells are cast. And we know that the standard D&D methodology is when you cast a spell, it's a race from memory. Okay, It's as if you never even knew it. It's in your spell book, and you kind of almost have to relearn it before you can cast it again. Now, there's a term for that type of magic, of uh, Vancean magic, I think they called it, the fire. And- you called it Vancean magic, and you also called those spells fire and forget. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But So we really didn't talk about the forgetting part of it. You know, so the question was, does anybody like that? The idea that you no longer can remember the spell or or whatever. Uh, no, especially when you have characters who say can I re- can I memorize magic missile, you know, for my entire list? Sure. So technically, you haven't forgotten the spell because you got like four or five copies of it sitting up there. So have you really forgotten the spell? No, you haven't. Well, in some people play game play D&D as if you could never learn more than one v- copy of a spell too. Ah. So that that kind of solved that problem. What are the downsides? Okay, what are the downsides of of of, uh, of the spell being erased? 
Oh, rememorizing because yeah, you got to memorize the spell over and over again, or memorize it multiple times if you want to use it more than once, like invisibility. Oh. And is it invisibility on the entire party? You got six people. You have to memorize six versions of invisibility. Also, also, doesn't it take like an hour per level of spell to memorize? Fifteen, fifteen minutes per spell level. Okay, but what it also takes is it takes at least eight hours of rest before you could even start. And the idea is, is that this process of putting spells into your head and then blowing, literally blowing them out of your skull is magic, is so traumatic that you have to rest a lot before you know you can go and, and learn again. And if you're in your typical dungeon adventure where, you know, rest, what's that? Well, actually, that happens a lot in your typical low-level dungeon adventure because the magic user's done after his first spell. <laughs> it's like, okay. But later on, in later versions of D&D, they fix that sort of thing. So there's the, the fact that it's, it, it can be a lot more traumatic because of this literally ripping of the knowledge out of your brain when this happens. It's it's almost as if the spell itself is so um, alien, so you know, it's so outre that only by a, a a constant force of will. I mean, literally, you could say that if you fell asleep, you'd forget all your spells because there'd be nothing holding them in your brain at that point. But nobody plays that way. But I'm just saying, if you followed this all the way to its end, trying to find those out of the way places to. Sit down and rest is pretty inconvenient. In a yeah. dungeon, yeah, it's like, well, we're going to sit in this alcove where the monster is. Yeah, okay, good life yeah, choice. Yeah. No, my think- thing is that what I do in my campaigns now, and Josie being the oh. first spellcaster in my Friday game, a spell point system where you memorize, let's say you've got six first level spells per day. If you do the Bansy and Magic like it is listed in D&D and in Pathfinder, and you want to cast more than one version of the same spell, you have to, you know, oh, I want three Magic Missiles. Then you got to study Magic Missile three times. With a spell point system, if you have, let's say, those five first-level spells a day, you can study Magic Missile as one of those five spells. And as long as you have the spell points to cast that spell, which in all the spell point D&D systems I've seen, it's one for a first level spell. You can just fire magic missile spells until you run out of uh, spell points. Right. So by not losing the ability to cast spells, then as soon as you get more magic points, you can continue to cast. Yes. Yes. And you you can do, do things like geometric recharge or... If you have like a magic item that you're hiding spell points in or whatever, yeah, and then just you know, maintain fire, yeah. Well, then what is if you have that? Then basically you always have spell mastery. Yeah, that yeah, the one uh, feat from D and D that says it, it says you don't have to prepare the spell. Yeah, up to your int mod in certain spells that like read magic, which all wizards know. You can have up to your int mod in other spells that you have memorized and you know them every day no matter what. Now, are these extra spells or are these just spells you don't have to prepare? Spells you don't have to prepare. They are spells in your spell book. It's just you don't have to restudy them every day. Right. So that 15 minutes per 
spell level is something you don't have to do for those spells. Right, right. Right. So, again, so if we're not forgetting the spells, then we really don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, back back in the day when I first started playing D&D, uh, we sort of modified that uh, to the point where, yeah, okay, you got you got your five spells. And you can cast any of them. But, you know, when you go to sleep, the, you know, ira- your memory gets erased and you got to redo it again in the morning. But you're not, you know, as long as you haven't burned all your levels up, you can cast those spells. So you have five levels you can cast, you know, so I oh, okay. So basically, I can cast. You know, I got magic missile. I'm magic missile, magic missile, magic missile, magic missile, magic missile. I just, I'm out. Sorry. You know, So it, in that case, we, you know, you when you went to sleep, your your brain got your right. Your your your, member, your spells got pulled out of your head, and then you had to re, you know, rememorize in the morning. Uh, I don't remember. It was 15 minutes. I thought it was an hour. No, it, it's 15 minutes. I'm sure of it. Okay, I have to look. Go back and look at my old books and see what it said back then. It may have actually shortened it because, you know, people may went, I got to spend how many hours to learn my spells? John, this was in first edition. Yeah, I think now it's just one hour and you study all the spells that you have. I think that's how it is in Pathfinder now. You just, okay, you've had your eight hours of rest. You wake up, you crack open your spell book for an hour. You study all the spells, no matter what level they are, for the day, and you go on. Yes, it, it is an hour for that we're talking about is is about the spells being erased okay so um is there any advantage to spells being erased from your memory well it makes you makes you want to plan ahead for the day that's definitely for sure well other people couldn't go into your memories and see it yeah oh that's a frightening thought josie a telepath going in and stealing your spells out of your head or at least being able to copy them thanks for the new adventure idea (laughs) <laughs> okay well all right i got it from snake okay. well what i was thinking of is is that let's say you capture an evil mage yeah mm. if he doesn't have to st- if he doesn't have to study his spell book anymore all right that means that as soon as he gets some more points after he's rested a little ways he's ready to go he can power word kill you Unless you've got him, you know, unless you know he knows that spell, you've got a, a gag on him. So if, if casting the spells literally blows them out of your brain, then those are spells that you know he can't cast again. Yeah. Although if you've captured an evil mage and you haven't gagged him, what are you doing? Yeah, you, you, yeah you're, you're kind of asking for trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I get Josie's point there. Yeah, right. But you know, there are there are situational modifiers where it might come into play where you don't you know you don't know he's the mage because he's been you know he stood in the back and he kind of hid and he cast you know behind his you know behind his cloak or something like that. You didn't realize he was the caster. You thought maybe he was just the rogue. Totally ignored his goatee and his you know and his black highlighter on his eyes. You know. <laughs> John, no shaming. <laughs> if these spells have been cast, you know that those spells, unless, of course, he's got extra left. Um, but still, the point is that he shouldn't be able to, under the fire and forget rules, they couldn't, until they prepare them again, they can't cast them again. Okay, unless, of course, they have spell mastery. And I, and I just had the thing of Dirty Harry with the, do I have five power kill spells or do I have six? Do you feel lucky, punk? Well, yeah. 
I don't feel very lucky if somebody's got five power word kills. That's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between the the, the evil mage uh, being the uh, the the humble servant in your party and the evil mage that's saying at the top of his altar casting spells at you. Because in one case, you don't know he's doing it, and therefore, yeah, he can get you. The guy in the the guy in the altar, he's not leaving that altar alive. <laughs> No, hold on, John. I mean, again, situational modifiers. If the evil mage happens to be the heir to the throne and you've been sent here to bring him back to mommy and daddy, well, if you want to get paid, he's living. You might kill him and then do a, you know, a, 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 a raise dead, not resurrection, because you only want him to have one hit point. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he's he's still coming back. So yeah, that's. That's when the yeah the cleric goes crack his knuckles. I can take care of that. Kill him. I'll bring him back. Right. Anyways, so that's number one. I mean, I, I, unless you guys have something else you want to talk about, it, uh, those are the things I was thinking about about spell erasure in your brain. You know, the good, the bad. You know, the et cetera and headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean the, the good, the bad, the ugly headache-inducing stuff that gives Robert evil ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, always the bad the the bad course is at lower levels. It means you're basically you're carrying around a bunch of flasks of oil if you have the strength to do that. They're a pound each, John. Yeah, and most mages and what's your dump stat? Strength. Even so, they're wearing nothing but a shirt. Uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> well, no, they're wearing they're wearing robes yes, and nothing else. It's the same thing, John. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, I mean, the point is, is that I've never seen a mage yet who couldn't carry 10 flasks of oil on them. Yeah. Of course, they're the first target for the flaming arrows. But that's another oh, topic yeah. together. <laughs> not as not as they're in ceramic, you know, things. Anyways. All right. So, um, okay. So, let's move on to number two. Okay. So, when casting failure occurs, should there be miscasting? And if that happens, what should be the, what should be the effect? So what do you guys think? Do you like, you know, we, we talked about the fact that there, you know, in, in, uh, that there could be miscasting. You can try to cast a spell and it fail either because you're reading it off of a scroll that's too high for your level or because somebody hits you with an arrow in the middle of casting. Uh, do we want there to be miscasting? I, well, in most games you have to do a critical failure to get a... John? Yes, I know. It's it's what you want, okay? So the question is, is it do you want miscasting? Well, I, it depends on the spell. Okay, some spells, it, it really is. I mean, like magic missiles always hit the target in D&D. &D. Unless you miscast. Yeah, unless you miscast. Then, then what happens? Hit a different target. Okay. You know, basically, your 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 spell. Your, what is the what is the intent of your spell to hit that guy over there? Nope. You you know something happened and you fired and you hit the person you're trying to save next to him. You know that sort of thing. Or you hit the wall. Oh, you hit the wall. Yeah, and blow chunks out of it. <laughs> okay. Or the other possibilities are you either hit the target or you hit another target, but the effect is lessened. Mm-hmm. Or you lose control and you hit the target or not the target, uh, especially a party member, and the spell effect is multiplied. 
Yep. Okay. Or you end up with a completely different result uh, or a, perhaps a similar result. So, you know, in ca- instead of you casting uh, a fireball, you end up with a, uh, uh, you know, a scorcher instead. I mean, these are all different possibilities for miscasting. Or light fire. Or it quite literally blows up in your face. You, self-immolation. I love self-immolation. It doesn't happen enough, as far as I'm concerned, in games. Nope. <laughs> no kind of squares on the map. You know, cast it and be danged. <laughs> and this is especially true in four, in fourth edition, where every spell had a secondary effect. Mm-hmm. Trappings. If you want to call those trappings, I, I mean, I'm talking about where, okay, it does this, but it also, you know, creates an aura around for five squares, and everybody in that aura takes X amount of damage. Well, now, you know, and it says something like, but only enemies do. Well, maybe if you miscast, maybe everybody now takes the damage. Yeah. And considering that spellcasters are usually second ranks, uh, folks, they're not first rank. Uh, yeah, you also could be shooting the guy in front of you in the back of the head, too. Well, not in fourth edition. Oh, not in fourth edition. Oh, yeah, because they would they would put it out like in a blast, which was like from a corner of their square or all the way around them. That's why it was really important to have those only affects enemy type effects, because <laughs> that way you could just blow it through all your buds and still hit the bad guys. If it says everybody in the area of effect, then you better be running out of the middle of nowhere and and doing it, or at least moving off to the side of the party. So they're not always got that uh, meat shield in front of them. And, and Miss Cassie's, as you, as you pointed out, Bruce, is not a critical failure. That's a totally different thing. We were talking more like, okay, I missed my roll. What happens? Does the spell go off? Does it go off or go off differently? It's not the same thing as a critical failure, which is something completely different. Yeah, well, you've, it's not defined in any way from what you just said, John. What is it? What's a critical failure if it isn't a miscasting in, the, in, the, in this context? Usually, it's uh, in some games, it's basically, oh, the party can go nowhere except for you, and you take damage, or you explode, or something, you know, or you, you have a blast effect around yourself. But basically, it isn't the spell at all. It's just simply that all the mana, all the power goes in the wrong place and you take damage and maybe the folks around you take damage. Okay, it sounds completely the same to me. Well, if I'm casting a sleep spell, I don't expect to explode. Okay, but the sleep spell could affect our, you know, your party as well as your enemies. Yeah. And like we said, you also get the uh, the opposite effect instead of being a or it could explode. Or, or, or you know, the opposite effect, of course, is not a sleep spell. It's a wake spell, and everyone's already awake. So, I mean, you wake them up more. <laughs> now they can't be slept, even if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they had the triple shot espresso. Yeah. yeah. Three days later, you know, you're suffering all those exhaustion modifiers because you just can't sleep. And the, and the elf's like, I, I, I sit down and I, I, and I meditate. That doesn't help. No! I've drank in so much more milk, I'm going to grow an udder. Not an udder, udder. I can't blink. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. But like, Well, you're basically talking about degree, John, when you're talking about critical failure. So, again, so we have this situation where if you miscast, and the, and the three situations I, I mentioned was where, A, you're you're trying to cast a spell that the game rules allow you to cast, but it's really above your ability. Or two, 
Um, it's where you have um, you, you've been interrupted in the casting of your spell. Okay, and three. I think I might paint myself into a quarter because I can't think of what three was. Um, three might be where your spell is interacts with another spell. There, there is a four, and that is, and this is the, under the under the school of well, you cast it. Just takes longer. Instead of being a single action, now you, you're basically you're fumbling the words. It's going to take you another action to get the spell off. So you're saying the casting duration increases? Yeah. Okay. It's not like you're talking. It doesn't like hang fire. Is that? That's another possibility. Well, no, I, I do. I, I do get what John is trying to say. If let, and we'll just chalk it up like a magical explanation. Drawing the mana all of a sudden takes more because you've altered the fabric of reality somehow by miscasting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll cast a spell, but it just gets slowed down because you yeah. wiggle the finger to the left when you should have to the right or something. Yeah. Instant, instant spells take a full action to cast. Right. Spells that take, a, take an action to cast now take two. Okay. Now I remember the, uh, the, the third condition, which was where somebody is counterspelling you. Ah. Yeah. Okay. You haven't actually taken damage, but your spell kind of has taken damage. Mm-hmm. Of course, they say in Farscape, don't you hate it when they override the override? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. So, what do you guys think? Do you think there should be miscasting? I like it. I like it, but I mean, you don't want it to get too much to where after a while. You got people going. I don't want to play a spellcaster. If I make one roll, everybody, I kill. I end up killing off half the party. That's where your your uh, your rules come into play. Where you d- you basically decide how far you want to take it. You know that that's where the whoever is going to be creating this this perfect magic system decides how far does miscasting go. I mean, and and maybe only something like that only happens on a critical failure. You know, because maybe it's maybe it's like say either the, the ones I think are are probably the most likely are it gets misdirected or it doesn't happen or it has less of an effect. The you, the, the the real the real critical failures are where you get more effect but on the wrong people or everybody takes it. You know or my favorite, which is really, which is which is great for the GM, really lousy for the players, and that's hang fire, which is where the spell is going to go off. You just don't know when. Yeah, o- over on the Sunday Skypers, we've been playing Blades in the Dark, and spell casting there is interesting in that you can get a partial success where it goes off, but there's a glitch, and the glitch can oh. affect you. <laughs> you know, something else happens along with whatever you were trying to do. So, you like, know. let's say if you're trying to do a heal spell, yeah, you you misroll it where you have a misfire. Yeah, you heal, but you end up with, you know, pustules all over you. Well, actually, one side effect, they actually cover that one. If you, you heal, but instead of just healing, you take on the damage. Oh, empathic healing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when it wasn't supposed to be, that can be pretty inconvenient. Well, yeah. you... Josie, like cows sharing the flesh. I know, but it is. Okay, you don't have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Not to me, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's one of those but things. That it, sort of thing can be pretty inconvenient when it wasn't supposed to be an empathic healing effect. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what makes it worse is that uh, depending on how you roll, either you get to choose the glitch or the GM does. <laughs> so you get to choose your own poison sometimes. <laughs> oh no, I, I let I let other players roll for that. That way, ah. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's not a roll. It's always pick from the table, pick from a list. It, yeah, but anyway, well, it, it, it's rolling on the table. Yes, yeah. But, yeah. but is it, that why you have mom rolling those constantly? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's well, let's move on to the to to the, the you know they say the the voting. Okay, so who just voted? I've forgotten now. So you, John? Uh, I actually I I would work with it. I mean, I would work with basically misdirection, and you know, it's your misdirected unless you get a critical failure. Then we we go for the big effect. So you're in favor of miscasting? Yeah, yeah. Okay, your spell goes off, just not the way you want it. And and you like that better than just complete failure? Yeah. Okay. All right. Trav, how do you feel about this? I like miscasting because with magic, you are dealing with forces beyond normal human understanding. If you don't have a good grasp on them, there should be some type of penalty. And uh, Josie? I like the idea. Let's leave it at that. You like the idea. Okay. All right. Is there anybody else who wants to weigh on this before I... Ashley, go ahead. I, I, I do like the, the idea of it going totally awry. <laughs> well, well, like I said, because you're dealing with forces that are bigger than you are. You're trying to harness this incredible oh, yes. power. <sighs> and if you don't have the decent grasp. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you're yeah, just I mean, spell Yeah. I run a fate, I run a fate uh, high, a high sorcery game and spells right. always go off. Maybe not the way you want them to, but they always go off. <laughs> My point of view is I um, I like it, first of all, because in almost every game, magic is so overpowered. The mages, I mean, they are totally weak in the first couple levels. After that, they dominate the game. So having this um, Achilles heel... You know, really, uh, re- uh, really makes a difference. And I personally hate the whole concentration role thing. I don't think that should be in it at all. As, or at least if it's, yeah, I, I don't like it. I like the idea that if you take, uh, you might have to take, uh, especially the one where you can do it ahead of time. That one I absolutely loathe. Where I'll cast this at, at 10 plus the level of the spell. And if I make it, then nobody can interrupt my spell. I totally hate that one. I like the idea where you take damage and then you add that damage, you know, on top of 10. And now you've got to make that check. And if you fail, then it gets miscast, which means it could fail or it could, you know, you just basically decide how you want it. Or it goes wild and and possibly, as John put it, 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 it goes into to- total thermal nuclear meltdown and fries the, the whole party in a TPK. Wh- which, if you take out the bad guy, might actually be good for the campaign. There's many craters named after famous wizards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to uh, number three. Okay. Which is, uh, if you have magical ability, uh, what limits it? Okay. And we kind of talked about this in the when we said, where does the magic come from? And so but it was inherent in some of those conversations that if you don't have enough mana, you know, or something, then it's go- your, your ability to do that thing is going to limit it. But what I'm more interested in is saying, 
you know, where, what is it that causes you to say, I can't cast that spell? What is it that says, that basically, besides pure knowledge, I don't know how to, you know, what is it that says, I, you know, that, that spell, well, you know, I can't do that spell yet, or, you know, that's above me or beyond me. What it, and so what is it that causes that? If you're talking about ritual magic, then you're ta- then the stars are not right, or you're not in the right spot, or you don't, or, or that person out there is not a virgin, you know, things like that. <laughs> you know, basically, it's it's, yeah, and that kind of falls under the components. Right, that would be necessary components. Yeah, things. Uh, other than you know your skill level, I mean. Uh, is is it such that it's such a high level? Yeah, I can learn this spell, but I don't know if I can control it because my skill level is only blah. You, know, yeah, you may actually that's like, the, that's like the modern spellcaster class that I yeah. mentioned earlier, where you mm-hmm. have nine up to ninth level spells, but you can only safely safely cast, let's say, a, up to fourth level. You can try yeah. casting ninth level spell, but mm-hmm. you're going to pay for it dearly with the miscasting. Yeah, or I'm, I'm thinking, also thinking like of Savage Worlds where, you know, you're a veteran, so you have access to all veteran-level spells. You only got D D4 in spellcasting. Ouch. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, okay, go ahead, cast that spell. Let's see what happens. <laughs> if the limitation is control, okay, but you can still cast it, then this could be your, like, thermonuclear... Um, or a retribution. Somebody goes and, and hits you with poison or something like that. He says, okay, fine, but I'm not going by myself. And you cast this incredibly powerful spell that basically takes out a whole building along with you because you can't control it. If I go down, I'm taking you with me. Yeah, yep. especially a system like Severus Worlds, if you got a D4 in spell <sighs> casting, you got a 25% chance of rolling a 1 and crit failing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead, tr- test me. You know, and then of course that's when you start rolling fours. You know, like, okay, I'm rolling another four, another four, another four, another four. I, I dang, I rolled a sixteen. I cast a spell. <laughs> oh, that's right. Savage World has stacking rolls. If you roll, a exploding roll, exploding dice. Yeah, exploding roll. Yeah, that's what it is. And I've yeah. seen that happen. You know, you know, the heck, fact, the highest we've ever seen was a 23 on a, on a D4. Well, we talked about how we like the idea that if you try to cast something above the amount of available magic, it's going to get it from somewhere, no matter what, how badly that affects the world. So, you know, what I'm saying is that normally what limits magical ability is the amount of available mana or magic points and in some game systems that's determined by your spell your skill level other times it depends upon where you're at uh it could be um a number of other factors but usually that's the hard limit you know unless you include the idea that you can overcast uh that if you if if the spell is beyond if you you need 15 points and you only got 10 no matter how much you want it's not going to go off you could be a twentieth level caster; it's not going off. Yeah, and it's and in some games, this is like Savage Worlds. You have to actually invest in those spell points, invest experience in those spell points. Otherwise, you just got you know the, the starting number. And oh, you, you yeah, I can cast a spell. I can't cast this one because I only have five skill, five uh, power points. Right, right. 
So basically, you're you, the in Savage Worlds when you get a new edge, you basically infect, you basically buy more spell points. Yeah, oh, actually, it's ten. You, you got ten base. You start with ten, and you can buy them in levels of five. Okay. Yeah. And 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 if you want to be able to cast a lot, then you're probably going to have to do that. Okay. Uh, right. And then, as as we mentioned, if you don't have, you know, if you're if you're playing a game where you have to have the uh, some some physical thing that's part of, or you have to be at a certain location, or some external factor to the spellcaster has to be present. Then it's either going to limit the amount of power that you could evoke, or it'll limit literally the ability to do it at all, or it'll really really up your chance of miscasting, which is you know the, the uh, in a sense a limit. Because at some point you should say, you know, if I do this, we're all dead, but I can do it. Yeah. I mean, also maybe that at lower levels, you need, at lower skill levels, you need those components. When you get higher levels, it's like, okay, I just need a pinch of saltpeter and a uh, match, and I can do a fireball. And the first, and the guy with has just learned it says, but I need a ball of pitch and I need this, I need that, I need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you higher levels, you can sort of compensate for lack of materials. Right, and and you know, and and that's actually uh, uh, something that they brought in with three O, where uh, well, I mean, the original Tritech rules had the ability to basically just cast it without you know without time, without um, without without prep well without gestures and without components okay you could still do it uh, in D and d you you basically started getting uh, meta magic feats where you could do a silent spell or you could do a still spell or you could do whatever they mean without a, without components eschew materials eschew materials and so and it bumped the spell level up higher so as long as you know so you had to be a high enough level to be able to cast it at that level but Otherwise, they still, uh, you know, you could still do it. And a spellcaster who was high level, you know, that was their way of sometimes compensating for those lacks. I don't have the necessary material component, so I'm going to have to cast it as a fifth level spell instead of a third level spell. And and that's okay as long as you got the, as long as you got those spell slots. Here's a question for for because this is because some spells scale up with levels. Does that did it actually scale up or did it cast at third level? With the meta magic feats, yeah, um, yeah, you're still spell you're still casting at the same level, but with meta magic feats, at least with the Banshee magic that they use in the books, um, it's consi- you have to study. Okay, let's see. Uh, it just basically takes a big, a higher spell slot, John. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. say you're doing a a magic missile with still spell magic beat. You have to study it as a second level spell, even though it's a, normally a first level spell. Okay, so just basically, it's just long. It fills a higher slot and takes longer longer to figure out. And for spell points, you're just paying the spell points for a higher level spell. Yeah, unless your spell system. Uh, determines the effect based upon the caster level, not the spell level of the spell. So that's why a third level, you know, someone who casts a third level spell in their 18th level does 18 dice uh, of damage uh, in the case of a fireball. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 still you know a third level spell. And if they cast it at fifth level, it still does eighteen dice of damage because it's based upon the character level, not the, or the caster level, not the actual spell level that you're casting it. Yeah. At so yeah, so it all depends on on your system in that regard. But yeah, the the real limitation in that in that case is can you cast those levels? Which falls back to the good old skill level thing again. So right. I have I've, I got to think of how I'm going to vote in this one now. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, there's you know um, you know you don't have to have anything limiting it in that sense. I mean, it's. I just wanted to raise the question of is that you know what what is it that really you know is 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 you know what what do you have to watch out for you know and um, because when we talked about it, it, it we talked about more specifically like where's the mana come from and do they have skill levels of characters or do does can like a first level character have like a level five skill because of bonuses like you know. Um, they just either they have feats that boost them up, or they've got uh, a familiar that boosts them up, or whatever. You know, if they don't, if they themselves are not the appropriate level, does that limit it? And uh, in in the case of D and D, it does. But in a lot of other systems, as long as you got things that boost your apparent caster level, you can cast those spells. Yeah, actually, I'm also thinking of one other thing that can limit you, and that is. Um, uh, this is called consecrated ground. In some systems, magic will not. You cannot cast magic on consecrated ground. You know, it just won't work. Which is basically a limit. John, in a way that might fall under necessary components. Yeah, but yeah. it won't stop your spell from crossing into sanct- sanctified ground. Let's just put that out. It just means you won't be able to you know, do your bibbidi bobby boo and cast it. Uh, you know, on holy ground. Tritax system was that way. You cannot a mage cannot cast a magic spell in a church, in a, in a Catholic church. They are anti magic. Oh yeah, yeah. Catholic church, just, you know, mega churches probably not. Christian religion, generally speaking, is anti mage. <laughs> okay, not and now if you, you could do it in a Shinto temple with no trouble. You could. You know, maybe in the Temple of Ganesh, I don't know about what they feel about it. That'd be fine. Certainly in a lot of the African uh, tribal, you know, huts and such, you could have no trouble casting a magic spell. But, you know, Christianity has always been burn the witch kind of concept. So spell casters were generally, you know, and so that carries over into making those areas essentially magic free. Which is really good, you know, if you've got spellcasters outside, you know, howling at your gates, but they can't, you know, they can only attack physically. They can't use their special abilities. Oh, you see, I never had, uh, that's what I mentioned. So so you actually would have their magic not even entering. I'm I'm saying the street, I cast a fireball at the church. It stops at the, it stops at the iron gate. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say yes. All right. You know, undead will not rise within you know the the sanctified ground. Um, you know, any uh, curse effects will vanish, possibly. Like a werewolf may not be able to transform, you know, inside of a church, even though he can say his prayers every night. Yes. Well, that that's a very sad case. Those movies were very sad. 
But it didn't say in the church. Yeah, it said under the light of a, of a full moon, you know. So I, I always kind of felt like, you know, they weren't actually in the church when this happened. Yeah. You know, with that level of protection, then it was he was safe. And you'd end up having, you know, a whole lot of churches where they're being run by werewolves because they never leave. You know, a lot of monasteries, you know, they never leave because they're afraid what will happen if they leave. You know? Do you like there being hard limits or do you like them be, you prefer them to be soft? By soft, I, you you mean like, you know, like ability to control would be considered a soft rather than a hard? Well, like, for example, necessary components. Okay, you know. That's hard, yes. Yeah, that's a hard limit. If you don't have them, you can't do it. Okay, skill level. If you don't have the appropriate character level, you can't do it. Or is it is it just really, you know, um, you know, I... I I, I'll I'll try. I mean, I could fail, but I I can still try as long as there's a chance of me succeeding based upon other factors I might be able to bring into play. Okay, or you know, mana. Is it you know? We already said that we are okay with the idea of people going into the negatives on mana. So that one we've already kind of agreed on already. Yeah. So what do you guys think about you know the two and the three, the the B and the C? Because there's enough systems out there where there aren't any levels, really. It's just, like, Sarah's World doesn't really have levels. No. Uh, No. So there, it's more like how, you know... Yeah, they do. They've got skill level. Well, they have skill levels, but they don't have character levels, technically. Yeah. Well, it's it's still pretty much the same thing, John. Yeah, and you you just have... No, no, you're right. No, I take it back. John, you're right. I mean, what no, what they have is they've got the uh, novice... Uh, uh, seasoned um, veteran. If you don't have those, you can't cast that spell. So they do have it. Yeah, but you could have it, but still have a D4 in spell casting. So in this case, it's, it's more like, yeah, I know the spell, but yeah, you want me to try it? <laughs> Except for that, where it's limited, spells are limited to the character, um, whatever. No, the character level, the, the the various, I forget what they call that thing where you're either a veteran or whatever, that's the limit. But the other ones aren't limited because the open-ended die rolls allow them to get as high as you could roll. So, yeah, you could have a D4 and still be able to cast a spell, you know. Right, a very high-level spell. Yeah. So, yes. Except for the fact you're not allowed to take it under Savage Worlds. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no gimme rolls, no you know, take tens and take twenties. Like there is in the in the in the uh, f- uh, was it three zero or what? they start in three the three five uh, three zero. Yeah, and taking twenty is an OGL rule. It's in three zero, yeah. three five, and Pathfinder. I personally don't like the fact that some spells seem to be arbitrarily set at certain character veteran whatever heroic uh, you know i i don't see any reason why those things because most of them have a require a lot more points to cast okay so i don't see why some a lot of those couldn't be taken at lower levels well some of them can there are there are improved versions of some of those spells you can take a lower version of it and then later on as you get as you get get more experience you can take the higher version of it so there are improved improved versions, yeah, but there are improved versions of some of the powers, so yes. Yeah, there aren't improved, ver- as far as I've seen, there aren't improved versions of Teleport. No. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be, like, a heroic level before you can even take it. Well, that, that you know, hey, that's that was a game design issue. You as a GM can decide, you know what? 
I know. That's why I'm asking you, John. Yeah. You know, is that something, you know, if you had, I mean, you have the choice. I mean, say if you had the choice, you do have the choice. Okay. If, you know, if, if, uh, if Savage, in your Savage World game, do you go, would you go by that and say, okay, no, you, 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 you can ignore that. Or are you going to say, no, no, if you're not the right level, you can't take that spell. I tend to go by the level, but I also make, I also use their pointless system, which, uh, basically everything has a, um, uh, it's a difficulty level, so the higher spells are. If they have a high, higher, the high, more powerful spells are harder to cast. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I got it. Yeah. 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 So suddenly, that D four becomes a real problem when you have a minus three on your roll. No, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, higher level spells should be harder to cast. There's no question of that in my mind. But of course, some people say, no. If I got the points, I should be able to just do it. Okay. So, but then that's what this get this conversation is all about. Is that you choose how you're going to do that. But you're saying you don't like the you you you're okay with the idea of there being character limits like this. Yeah, I, I am for you know both you know the the character the character level character experience and skill level combo where basically, yeah, you gotta know your stuff to be able to cast a spell. And if you do, never put the time in to learn it, even though you may have access to the high level spells, you never put the time in to learn it. You know, and, I have a good analogy for that, John. Yeah, while people who play MMORPGs and they buy high-level characters off of, like, eBay. Yeah, mm -hmm. they've got all these abilities. Yeah, I've got a, a 100th-level Death Knight. I don't know how to use the abilities, though, because of yeah. the fact I didn't go through the experience of using them. Yeah. I, I don't think we're talking about that, Trev. I, we're talking about someone who says, I am a firecaster. All I do is cast fire spells. It doesn't matter what level the spell is. If it's a fire spell, I can cast it. Okay. Versus someone who is a, you know, I can cast, you know, 10 spells in five different spell categories. Okay. The person says, look, all I do is fire. I, as I study it, everything else, I should be, there shouldn't be a limit because of this. If I got the points to do it, I should be able to do it. That's what that person is saying. I think that might be for the purposes if you got someone who is specializing that much, give them a little tweak. They may be only a first-level caster, but if they're specializing in that one particular school of mm -hmm. magic, give them a little extra power. It's like, yeah, you may be a first-level caster because you specialize in this one thing and do it well, i.e. you're a walking flamethrower. You cast as maybe a third or fourth level because you're 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 ultra specializing. Or is in Savage Worlds you have trappings. In this case, you have the fire trapping, which includes catching things on fire. Yeah, but that would happen no matter what level you were. Okay, so I, I'm just saying in D in, in D and D they do they do do that with spell a, a spell specialization. However, what you get is like maybe it's treated as as if you're casting a little bit higher. If you're casting like a fireball or a flaming hands or something like that, or it or it gives you more spell slots of for those spells. So you get extra spells, but it doesn't let you cast a spell that is above what your level would indicate. So that's that's where that character level thing is I'm talking about. Are and are are you okay with that, Trav? Is that you think that's the way it should be? Yeah, I like the the skill level character level because the only way you're gonna learn is from experience. And after you experience all the lower level stuff, 
that that's the out of game mechanic. It's like, yeah, you're gaining levels on the character sheet, but in story, okay, you've been through all the minor spells. You have them down to a degree of master. You can cast them regularly, barring external circumstances. Okay, you're now fifth level. You now can work at this level of power. I like the character level thing. Okay, Josie. Zoned out. Sorry. All right. What do you think, Ashley? Anything? She, the character she's playing right now is a non-spellcaster. She hasn't played in ten years. All right. Um, and I've always deterred from doing the the magical characters. Oh, so you're not a spellcaster player, anyways? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh yeah, you're more the rogue sneak around. Yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me sneak around and find someone to stay at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tend to do the same thing too. I when it, brand new system, I'll play the fighter. I'll play the sneak. I'll play the con man. I won't play the mage. All right. Well, my point of view is I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Okay. I think that if you got the balls to go for it, I say let you try. Okay. I think that fear should be the limiter. You know, fearing for the the party, fearing for your own character survival, fearing for the consequences of your actions. That should be the limiter. Okay, that's a real role playing thing, not this mechanical stuff where I can cast it, but I got to get, you know, I got to kill like another 15 frogs. Then then I'll be able to cast it. Okay, so and then again, like I say, the components is still kind of the same idea. Um I like I I was in favor in the past of of saying, yeah, if you don't have the components, it reduces your chance of doing it. Unless, of course, you're, it's like a, a, a focus. If you have to have a particular focus, then, yeah, that has to be there. Like a holy symbol. I was thinking more like you got to have like some lens to send the power through or something. Or you have to have, you know, the, yeah, or like the holy sword. Or, or just some, some MacGuffin that's necessary for the ritual to occur. Then, yeah, if that's, if you have to have... You know, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, can, can I mean some of these rituals that say you need a hundred people? Can you do it with fifty? I'm willing to give them, a, let them have a try. Okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.